Welcome to the Casey Catch-Up. We got um, John Messenger, or JB, as we will call him, from Sydney. He's the Nash distributor, or Nash. He works at Nash, and um, basically frothing out on downwind foiling and uh, done a lot of local runs with JB, and he's actually gone up to Cairns for the Great Barrier Reef Ocean Challenge, the mini and the full, um, which is super exciting. It's all part of July downwind month, so I wanted to get him on to... It's been a long time coming, actually, but I wanted to get him on specifically to talk about Cairns. But, um, yeah, thanks for jumping on, JB. No, super stoked to be here. It's um, It has been a wicked journey following the whole downwind thing and uh, lots of... Detours and uh, changes of direction and stuff, but uh, more excited about it now than ever. It's just growing and gaining momentum and, you know, the work you're doing with the groups and reinvesting back into the sport is just coming back tenfold with the number of people getting into it and the journey being quicker. So, yeah, really exciting to be a part of it. Yeah. No, it's been, it's been cool because, JB, you actually dabbling in downwind stuff probably like five years ago when when I'd... Probably more, yeah. Yeah, five <laughs> or six years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you kind of got sidetracked because you, you were close, but you had a few bad experiences and then you sort of... The, Nash, Nash kind of released that Malolo and the Malolo wing, which was, that would have been end of 2016. Um, that's when I sort of started foiling. Well, that's when I started attempting to foil and, you know, broke a lot of masts, broke a lot of paddles, thought I'd broke my ribs a few times. You know, the journey that we all went through that was just endless challenging and you know emails off to chuck patterson and to kai going dudes is this really a thing or is this just like a kai thing and and then um then they finally made a slightly bigger foil which was which turned out to be the thrust large and that's what i started trying to learn to downwind on um it's about a 1250 equivalent um but just yeah like a 70 centimeter span really cupped over shape like a full surf foil and at this point you had already been foiling and i think you had already successfully what we would have called downwinding then and we're getting some lengths and stuff like that. And I was getting, I was doing small broken bay runs and I was nearly able to get from Baron Joey into the beach. That was about it. So I was getting probably 200 meters, but just cooking myself. And yeah. I was just, and I remember hearing that you were going further and I was getting these wicked speeds. I remember, you know, talking with you going, Oh, I'm doing like 35 Ks an hour. And you're like, dude, don't go fast. It's not about going fast, you know? Yeah. And then, um, and then, yeah, as you said, the, the, the wing came out. So, you know, Nash launched their wing and uh, got hold of those early. And then straight away, I was like, oh, man, this is, this is way easier. You know, let's <laughs> do that. And, uh, and that was an interesting thing, sort of chatting with you on, you know, what every month or whatever, we sort of just crossed paths and you were downwinding. Your downwinding was just getting better and better. And my winging was kind of getting better and better. And I was always, I'd always look at your stats and go, hey, I'm still going quicker than you, still going quicker than you. And all of a sudden, you were going quicker than me. And I was like, oh. All right, now this looks like it's becoming something, you know, not that it's all about speed, but it, it does tell you tell you something when you can see something being more efficient. And, uh, and yeah, yeah, it's sort of, it, it was really cool to watch it become something. And I think, you know, you're obviously a very integral part of that. I mean, and, you know, Kai and a handful of the Hawaiian guys and Dave and those guys really paving the way. Um, and then, I, yeah, I still remember that the one day before work, uh, I think you reached out and said, does anyone want to downwind? No, it's, it's good subtly. And I was like, yeah. And that was my first paddle paddle downwinder back in like a year of not doing it. And I yeah. think I literally paddled the whole eight Ks from Makaha to Monavale, swearing. And that was one of your adult tantrums you got to experience. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I've and that, a few. <laughs> oh, that, that just set a fire under my seat. That was like, all right, that's it. Wing's going away. I'm not letting this thing beat me. Yeah. Um, and haven't looked back since. Yeah, it's um, it's been cool to watch your journey, JB, because... Y- 
mainly because you're a, you're a heavier guy and, and the, the challenges that come with that, it's really helped my, my coaching, like coaching bigger guys because, um, but uh, also just the time you put into it, you, you take it seriously. Like you're um, doing your flat water paddle ups for your own time. If there's any sort of bump at brown water or white rock, you're out there practicing your, your paddle ups and you're using your downwind equipment um, regularly, you know, often, um, you know, probably two or three times a week. There's downwind specific training going on, and, and it's look, it's paying off. You know, you're you're putting the time in, and it's you know looking at doing a 50k or 48k downwinder in Cairns later mm-hmm. later in the month, which is um, what I was trying to get you to join me for last year, but it was um, just a little bit I too wish, much. Yeah, I wish I did it. I wish I did it even to fail. I mean, there's a few things I look back on now, like even the 20 beaches. Although it would have cooked me, I, I now look back and wish I did it. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it has been a, a super cool journey and I do take it pretty seriously. Um, in the fact that, and I've, I've unfortunately got a very competitive nature and I don't like things beating me. And it's, yeah, uh, that's what I like about you, JB, because it's not about other people beating you. It's about no, it's, the it's goals that you set. Yeah. You want to beat yeah. yourself. Yeah. Which is, it's a good way to be, I think. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's really got me like I, I set these, I don't know. I'm not going to call them unrealistic goals, but I set these super high targets and, and I push hard and I don't take no for an answer. And, but at the same time, I'm starting to become more and more aware of a few of my limitations. Um, but they're, they're not, they're not dead ends. That's for sure. Um, there is workarounds and it's, it's been, it's been epic. It's been, it's been a real, real test of, of lots of things. Yeah. Um, I think it's worth going into like just the training runs that you've done and, um, you know, the flat water stuff's pretty self-explanatory out in the lake, practicing how small a foil you can paddle up in, the efficiency gains you can go from paddling up a bigger foil and where that heart rate is, is the best, which I think a lot of people will get a lot out of, but also the bumpy water paddle-ups you do. So in yep. the ocean in a nor'easter or uh, down at Palmy in a Sudley or, um, you know, Palmy in a nor'easter too. And then, but then the westerly runs you do as well. So maybe talk about the conditions we have available and, and how you've used that to your advantage. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, the... The biggest hurdle I mean, for me personally, I find with, with downwind is the exertion and the heart rate side of things. So efficiency and, you know, the 10,000 repetitions rule, like it's all the things that are the hardest, the things you got to practice the most. Um, so paddling up and having the ability to ride in the, in the crap, I guess, like in the junk is super, super important. So as I said, like every afternoon after work, particularly through summer, like if it's eight knots or even if it's five knots, I'll paddle two, you know, two k's into the wind, and then bumpy water paddle back up, and practice trying to recycle tiny bumps. Practice pumping over. Practice pumping back. Um, it's also fitness to um, flat water training. There's something in that. Whilst it's not the be all and end all of getting it, well, it's actually got nothing to do with bumpy water paddling up for downwinding, mm. but it does. It sets a. It sets a, a compass. It sets a, a bearing point in your mind of what 100 percent is. Because I, I see so many people in the ocean give up, and it's like, dude, you've you've you, know, you had so much more to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the flat water thing is good for that because it, it teaches you what you can and can't get away with, um, and teaches you that the end is not normally the end. Um, but I, I like doing a lot of shorter runs, particularly trying to stay fit. I mean, working with timeframes as well. Um, that's normally my hardest thing is windows of opportunity to do things. But um, you know, a regular. I mean, I would rather do three runs at Palm Beach, like I'll run up to Barrenjoey, 
paddle out to the Joey and do a downwinder to South Palmy and then run back up the beach and do it again. It's about a 2K beach and it's being about a 2K downwinder. Um, I'll do that three times in an afternoon if I can't coordinate something with uh, with any people or whatever, if it's just too light to do a proper run. Um, again, just recycling a lot of those skills that, I mean, the idea, I guess, is that when you're out downwinding and when everything's on, you don't want to be learning it then. Mm, no. You want, you want, you want to have, have, have embedded those skills so that it's, uh, it happens naturally and, and organically while you're running. So then you're thinking about other things like, okay, the bumps are better out there or I can see a wind line out to sea or, you know, and have what's happening under your feet just sort of happen organically. Um, the, the bay runs and stuff, um, were definitely a, a means of a more controlled environment, I guess, a, a safer and easier one. So a lot of pit water runs, a lot of bay runnings and a lot of bigger foil stuff. Um, and the bigger foils tend to suit me. Um, as you said earlier on, um, I'm on the slightly more generously proportioned side of the downwind foilers. You've lost a lot of weight, actually. Well, downwinding nails you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So when I, when I started downwinding, I was 107 kilos and, um, I sort of tanked out at about 82. I'm sitting at about 90 now. Yeah. Um, but even that, like if we get a good wind of week, I'll get a good week of wind. Um, I'll get down to like 86 pretty easily. And mm. it, you do burn a lot of fuel. Um, and that's a big thing now. I've, I've spent a bit of time now learning nutrition a lot more. And not that I don't want to be at 86, but it's not good because I'm at that sort of weight. I'm probably burning a lot of ma- muscle mass and that sort of stuff where I should be fueling up to burn carbs and fuels and stuff like that. So it's all a learning process. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so the, the, the training things, the, the short stuff is what makes it all. So that when you jump into a big run, um, and I haven't done a lot of big runs, I mean, 20 Ks and stuff is sort of my biggest runs at the moment. Um, but you, you lean back on it. Um, you know, I know during the, an Av to Manly run that I did with Kissa quite a while ago, uh, it was really challenging between that, that freshwater stage, uh, as you're leading into Manly. And I know I came down twice, but I was back up on file within a minute. You know, I look back on my stats going, you know, well, that's just practice and time in bumpy water, time paddling up, time comfortable with your kit. Um, and that was just getting knocked off by like, you know, chops and rebounds and backwash and that sort of thing. And, and being able to get back up and not burn yourself, you know, that's kind of what's going to make the difference, hopefully in these, in these longer runs, because efficiency is everything. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, like you said, the other advantage of the shorter runs is playing around with gear, which is something you've certainly done plenty oh, yeah. of. That's, <laughs> my... that's probably good. That's probably more of a negative of my training than anything else. Uh, that's one of the things that's like, JV, what have you tried this week? And, and have you actually gone back to what you thought was good or you just, yeah, uh, he's got about a hundred different with, um, with lots of everything <laughs> and I'm always tinkering with something. So I've normally got about five or six foils rigged up, ready to go. Yeah. Um, but is, it's, I mean, a lot, a lot of the time it's in the, you know, it's hunting for that 1%. Like I am, I am a hundred percent aware that 98% of it all is me. Um, decision making and fitness and, and what I can bring to the game. But there is definitely a little 1% to be had. And, yeah. you know, those that are in the, the Casey club will know of my definition of the conundrum. <laughs> and the conundrum is I want to go faster and more efficient, i.e. my thousand foil. But I stall out earlier and don't get the bottom end I need. So, i.e., I'm on a 1400, but then I don't go fast and I have more drag. So, I want the thousand. And, you know, it's this yeah. game you play where you don't get to have everything. Um, and so, it's playing with the finite adjustments to try and steal something, I guess. You, you kind yeah. of, you're you're kind of to, hunting for it to be unobtainable. Yeah, you're trying <laughs> to tune it. And I guess the, the biggest thing that I guess 
if, for, for us here in, in Sydney is that we don't have consistent conditions. So yeah, what right. I find is that, that the tuning that you do, while you might find a, you could even, one of your setups could have worked well for conditions that you didn't test it in. So it's my biggest thing with GJV is when I say just, just stick with one setup for a little while and see if you can you know really get used to it because I spoke to Andrew Gibbon um last week on the podcast i'm releasing it or just released yeah, it this I morning listened to his one this morning it was good yeah and he was saying how he doesn't like his mates with kane de wild who is the it's the exact advantage example of you jb you, you're yeah. changing everything to get that one percent but andrew just says he's like oh, i'm just going to stick with the stock tail just going to stick with yeah. the setup and set up i know and i'm going to know that setup so well that i'm going to get more than one percent out of it because i know how well it works yeah. which is um I think there's something in the middle there that's probably perfect. When you find a good thing, stick with it until... But the, the problem is there's always little bits... It would find there's new stuff coming out, so you can't really rest on I think, what you I think, think works. I, as you said, uh, you led into this with that we have such tricky conditions. I mean, I don't think any downwind is ever the same anywhere in the world, but ours are definitely not. Like, you, yeah. to get a run where you could even do two back-to-back runs, like if we did even two 5K runs back-to-back, they're going to be worlds apart. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to really accurately test what does and doesn't work, or not so much works, but what isn't, isn't favorable. Cause I guess the big thing to, for, I mean, to any of the guys that are getting into downwind out there, there's no gear that doesn't work really. And there's mm-hmm. no magical foil. Every, every plus on one side has a negative on the other. Like every time you gain in one area, you're going to lose somewhere else. You, they, you cannot get it all. And so for me, like when I'm trying to play with a 1400 versus a 1240 versus a 280 tail versus the 220 tail, and you'll do a run, you're like, oh, you know, it felt good, but it was a little bit draggy, so I'm going to drop to a smaller front to keep the bigger rear. And you go and do a run straight afterwards, and the conditions have changed. You know, it was it was yeah. 12 knots north southerly with an east-west swell, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's, it's east southerly wind with a north-south swell, you know, like whatever, you know, and I'm, yeah. I'm twisting it up on purpose because our conditions are often like that. You know, there's just yeah. stuff coming from everywhere. Uh, yeah. and that's, and, but but you know, also, like, as simple as... If we're in the exact same conditions next to our neck, like next to each other on the same downwind run, we're experiencing different sets and different pockets, and like there's all these different. So yeah. even if even if we're in the exact same conditions and we swap side like side by side for a K or something, oh, I found this foil works really well, but I could have got like just timed it with a really good set, and you could have <laughs> timed it with a really bad set, and therefore yeah. you hate that foil, and I love this foil, and yeah. it could just be, and then that gets stuck in your brain, and it's. It's a hard one because it's it's not a controlled variable. It's not a controlled medium that we're... we're Definitely not a controlled medium. And I think that's why it's important to go into any of these things with a pretty clear objective. And whilst that can... Sometimes you can cloud out the other parts that you might not be looking for, and that's where the hard thing is. So when I go in with, an, uh, you know, focused on an objective, I do a lot of data and a lot of numbers to those that know me. Um, and I do actually go back and look at them all. So I don't just get it off for Instagram and go, Hey, look at me. Um, it's, it's great stuff to look back and go over your graphs and go, okay, the lows were here and the highs were there, you know, and you can even drag it into Excel and eliminate, you know, the top 10%, top and bottom 10% and grab the middles and look at where the averages are taking off the fringes and then try and try and read what that setup did for what you're looking at and things like that. Cause it's, I guess it's important to know what you're looking for. And I think too many people go, oh, I couldn't stay with the swell, so I've got to get a smaller foil. So, well, no, that's not really, it's not really setting you up for a scenario. That's just setting up the dream run. I mean, yeah, we'd all love yes. to be on kind of 600 foil and just smoking on one swell the whole run. But yeah, no, sorry, guys, it's not going to happen. It yeah. might, but it probably won't. <laughs> yeah. Not, not every so, time anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So going, you know, having 
multiple different columns, you know, and it's, it's an endless journey of, of setting it up. And, and I guess the cool thing is cans probably is probably a pretty controllable environment in a lot of cases because it's kind of like a bay run on steroids or a groomed ocean run. Um, yep. And probably more likely to get similarish conditions there. Not that I should be testing you out there before a race. I kind of locked my gear in. <laughs> you will, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I will. Yeah. I will take everything up. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it's yeah, the testing things. It's hard because I, I do go right. That's it. This is what I'm going to ride for the next month. Don't change it. Yeah. And then <clears throat> you'll you'll have a bad run, and you know you might feel a little drag or something, or you know if it's really bad, I'll ride with someone else and see them doing better, and you're like, oh man. Then the ego comes back and takes you back into the, you know, into the numbers, and you start trying to work out well where can I pinch that that one percent from, which is uh, it's. Yeah, it's, and that's and that's kind of a really cool game with it. Is I think the beauty of it is it very clearly works for your type and and Andrew's type of personality, where it's like, right, let's pull it out of the box and strap it on and off we go, you know. Yeah. Um. And and there's a lot of people out there that are like that, you know. There's guys that buy a surfboard off the rack and ride it with the the clear G, um, FCS fins and never take them off for the life of the surfboard. Or there's yeah. me that goes in and goes, right, well, I'm going to need three sets of fins. I'm going to need, you know. <laughs> yeah all these different things and, and adapt it for the conditions that they're at. Um, but it's only worth doing that if you enjoy doing that for one, because that's, sometimes that's a sport in itself. And I'm sure that's what Kane's oh, yeah. like as well. Yeah. He, he, probably oh, really, sure. he, he would enjoy taking the data back into the, onto the computer and nerding out and looking at numbers and whacking stuff in graphs. And <laughs> yep. so, yeah. So. And, and I've tried to add a bit more of that, a bit more of that to my, foiling um definitely for surfing like i use the stock fins it's you know with the snowboard boards and um yeah. it's just like and i've played it like some of the fins i get a set of fins and i love them and then i lose them i'm like yeah well i'll just go back to the stock fins and i don't get stuck on i just get so used to it that's like yeah this is just how it is now but um yeah it's got to be pretty bad for me to change it up whereas sometimes you even i know you'll have it feel good you're like oh i want to change it because i think i can do a little bit more of this to make it even better um mm. And that's not in my personality. I've got to force myself to do that, whereas for you, it's, like, natural. Yeah, I feel things at the time. I mean, I mean, a lot of that in through my – I was a sailor at an early age and then windsurfing, so I did a lot of windsurfing and competitive windsurfing is in slalom racing and course racing and stuff. So a lot of that is gear mm. tweaking and a lot of it's, you know, five more millimetres of downhaul and, you know, two more millimetres of outhaul and trimming and lightweight and playing with, playing with numbers, you know, moving your stance half a centimetre forward and half a centimetre back and, you know, constant testing and testing and testing and then going through the kiting days of, you know, the first bars you used to get, you know, I started kiting when it first sort of started and you used to get this bag of parts and you'd have to put it together yourself and, you know, you, the bits were a bit average as well. So you're throwing half the bits out and making your own bits and tying bowlines here and making do and, you know, I've kind of gone through a couple of generations of where the stuff was at its very infancy and you're making a lot of stuff to to put things together and, and yeah. i enjoy that part of it too which is you know but yeah these days i mean as i said earlier i mean the gear that you get i mean obviously nash is the stuff that i represent things like that, but like there's not a lot of mainstream gear label gear out there that you're not going to be able to pull out of a box and go and have a ripping time on you know yeah everything's uh, getting better and better like uh, for sure every brand has got foils that work really well and um it's so cool to see. Foiling's come a long way in six years. Oh, you know, huge. it's crazy. Mm, super it's, cool. Uh, and I think the, like, I mean, if I think back now, I remember seeing the first bit of footage of a guy on a sup with a foil on it. I think it was like a French dude or something. And it was like, yeah, way before, yeah. 
wait okay. for anyone. And um, I remember watching going, what? Like, no. You just, there's no way you're going to be able to balance a sup on one point, dude. You're tripping. Yeah. And you sort of washed it away. And then it was kind of, you know, kite foiling was always there, but it was quite hard. I remember trying to kite foil back in, I don't know, 98 or something like that. Um, nearly, and that was when we used to use snowboard boots, like very similar to the, the what the toe guys would oh, use, like yeah. a, a full steel foil and snowboard boots and stuff. And you nearly drowned just trying to set yourself up. And then it was just like, I was like, this is not a sport, you know, like, and then as we went into that 2015, 2016 year, Nash started making some kite foils. And then, you know, then Kai broke the internet, you know, with not something new, but he made it, well, it wasn't really, it. yeah, he, he kind of went, Here's the window, guys. Let's let's all jump through it. And, and but, but the I'm thing so... the thing for me about that video was it was him downwind foiling, and yeah. it's it's kind he of had, full circle. Yeah, he had it right from the start. Like when he, if you listen, if you watch that video, like go and look that video back up. It's unreal because he's just like you know surfing in the middle of the ocean and and going you know five hundred yards this way and five hundred yards that way and no crowds and and that's exactly what we're all hunting after and, now. And also, um, big big long skinny board big, and skinny small boards. foil. <laughs> Yeah, the time. So, yeah. It's um, it was kind of onto it, and and we have we've gone full circle with it, and and I always I always laugh at because uh, people that don't foil struggle to understand for well, one why we foil to start with because they think we're dancing on razor blades, yeah. But people that don't downwind go, man, it just looks like such a punish. Like no one ever says that was so easy and so delightful, you know. And yeah. it is. We're so stoked. But they don't understand what we're hunting. Like, you know, from from an early age as a kid, like from the first time your parents pushed you on a swing, that buzz of dropping with gravity, mm. and it just set you off. Like, you, you watch a kid on a swing, man, they're giggling like there's no tomorrow. And then, you you know, you get a skateboard and you start going down hills and you're getting that same gravity drop feeling. And then you all of a sudden you're riding ramps and stuff. And then you're on your BMX bike and mountain biking. And surfing is like a, a small part of that. It's like, you know, you, you drops there and then it's over sort of thing. And now foiling... We're back to being that giggling little kid mm. getting pushed on the swing, going for tens of Ks down the coast on our own accord with this endless downhill if we if we play our cards right. If you don't, then you're walking back up the hill every time to start again. But that's not <laughs> the end of the world either. But and th- and that's you know, that's what it's like, is it's just it's that in- inbuilt feeling that gives us joy about riding downwards. And that's yeah, it's it's the most amazing feeling ever. Yeah, gravity fed. It's um there's nothing like it. It's uh like you said. Like I'll push my son in the swing and, and even just like on the trampoline and just going from up to down, he just like giggles. And as soon as you take him off the trampoline, he's like oh, crying because he wants to go back to what he was doing. Um, yeah, it's like the drug is gone. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> and yeah, that's yeah. like us when we can't downwind. I mean, the last the last two months, I mean, I think I've downwinded yeah. twice in two months and it's killing me. Yeah. And been, you know, uh, I missed, I missed picking. Sunday with that subtly which came in and then, uh, you know, I missed the, mo- the Monday Westley as well. I'm just like, I'm so bummed I haven't done any runs before Cairns and hopefully we'll get something this week. But Yeah, so let, let's go into Cairns. Um, what's, oh, tell us, I, I did it last year and you did the mini last year, but tell yeah. us what, what Cairns, the, the race, the Great Battery Ocean Challenge is. So Cairns, or I think you labelled it the other day as the poor man's Molokai. Um, actually, I think it's pretty fitting. No, it's, uh, yeah. it's Cairns is amazing. It's, it's a... I mean, in the kiting days, we used to go up there every winter. They used to have these excellent big kite festivals and stuff through winter because their winter is like summer. It's beautiful up there. It's 25 to 30 degrees. They generally get a nice southeast trade wind. It's not very swell-driven, but the gap from the outer reefs to the playground or to where we ride is a big enough fetch that you can get you get bumps. You can get wind bumps built up, and it turns into... Uh, 
it's kind of like like I was saying before, it's like a bay run on steroids or a really groomed ocean run. Super groomed, and, yeah, yeah. And it's and they're just they're so stacked and lined and organised, and because it's a a trade wind that's similar esque to what Hawaii goes through, and the fact that the wind blows morning and night, so it backs off a bit through the night, but it keeps blowing because it keeps blowing from that same direction. The fetch keeps working, so it keeps building and building and building. So even when it's light, the bumps are good. Yeah, trades well. Mm. Yeah, trades well. And so, you know, I'd been up there a lot kiting and it's, I mean, we'd go up and smack waves and stuff and you get, you know, waist tires, sort of chest tires on a good windy day. And it never really occurred to me. And we used to sup surf outside the marina at Yorkie's Knob there and things like that. And it never really overly super occurred to me until I saw this thing. I was like, man, that's going to be nuts. When they said they'll take foils for the downwind, I was, you know, I was so stoked to go up and do it. And then, yeah, the, the, the lead up days and even the race of the mini G was just, so much fun. It was so much fun. Oh, just one it second, was... JB. Hang on. Yeah, cool. So, I mean, the, the, the Mini G was just, I mean, I remember rocking up. I did a run on the Thursday. The race was on the Saturday. And I uh, hooked up with uh, with Tim and Craig. And we just ran up the beach at Yorkies, paddled out up on the sand spits, and even just foiled around Yorkies Knob, the headland, and came in at the marina. And it was just epic. I was like, man, this is going to be like this is going to be way better than I was expecting. I was expecting it to be a bay run. I was expecting it to be like a pit water run or a botany run or a broken bay run. But it was it was it was so close to ocean style bumps, but in a tight packed, just layered up. It's nearly like it was a man made wave, and it was it was really really cool. And then you know we did the practice run on the Friday together as a group, and that was super fun. And it's it's just. Yeah, I think it's like a really good stepping stone. That's what I'm sort of looking at the the G Brock as is a really good stepping stone. Uh, as I re- I definitely want to do M two O. So so psyched for it next year, and I think this is going to be the perfect thing because it's doing the distance, surfing the patterns. Yeah, it's cheating a little bit in some senses that it's perfectly groomed and and just immaculate sort of bumps, but it's it's all the same fundamentals. It's it's no different to doing the training runs that I've already been doing for ocean runs now, and it's just. You know, it's in Australia, it travels easier, there's all those sorts of things. Um, mm. nice and warm. So yeah, it's, it just, it's super, super appealing. And with luck, we've hit a good weather pattern. So whilst yeah. it's raining, raining and dead wind at the moment, that's a good thing. You want yeah. that two weeks <laughs> yeah. out. Yeah. It means it's not going to be raining and windless for, for two weeks straight. That's for sure. Um, one, one yeah, like you said, Jamie, like it's the, the biggest question I think I have for you is, you know, you just said before your longest, run you've done so far is about 20 k's how do you yeah. think you're going to go with the distance of well it's pretty much 50 um yeah. you know minimum because of the the angles you got to take when you foil um so nutrition wise like what's the longest downwind run you've done time wise so 20 k's is the longest distance but yes yeah, the time when I mean, on a sup the longest time wise i've done is about an hour 20 mm-hmm. which is still going to be short of what the G Brock will be. I'm assuming the G Brock at the absolute best will be two hours. It's probably going to be closer to two and a half hours, I'd imagine, with, with the speeds we're going, less any sit downs or whatever that are needed. But hopefully I'll be uh, up and, and gliding the whole way. Um, there, there is always an underlying concern, and I would have really preferred to have had more training and more practice before. Um, and this last month has just been a shocker. Of, yeah. of, it's actually been a bit depressing. <laughs> but uh so 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 to tell you the truth i i actually don't have any like there's no certainty that i'll definitely make the distance um i know i won't give up i'll be in a real mess if i do have to pull out 
<laughs> but uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty confident I'll, I'll be able to file for, for two and a half hours, three hours if needed. Yeah. Um, particularly if I make smart choices up front. And that's, that's what it's all going to come down to. Um, you know, pay, pay a few of my dues early, get out nice and wide. Um, I will be on the 1400 most definitely for the G-Brock unless it's absolutely nuking. Um, the Mini G, I'd be more likely to play with a smaller foil if there's good wind, um, just because of the length yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, much easier to, to pump for a 30 minute race than getting stuck in the G Brock on too small a foil. That'd uh, just be punishing. Yeah. Let's, I'm going to bring, I'm going to share the map actually, just so we can have a look at the course. Um, so I've just zoomed in here on Yorkie's knob. Um, and this is the little run you did before. So you said you ran up to the sort of sandbar. Yeah. And you basically exactly. did, um, this run measure distance so from here it's two k's three probably around three kilometers yep. just under to go sort of around and then there's a there's a walking track that'll take you back to um, straight back yeah so you just yeah. park at the playground there it's a you know, 10 minute walk up the beach 10 minute paddle out quick loop around then a five minute walk back to your car so yeah really easy for tuning gear in getting a feel for the bumps obviously it's the beginning part of the run so the bumps aren't the biggest but they're more than enough to get a feel for spacing and speed and that sort of stuff yeah i'll just zoom out to show you so the reason it's not the best part of the run is because of basically this prevents a lot of the fetch southeast wind does come in but this is a big block um essentially and then so that's that's where the, the mini g starts yorkie's no maybe a little bit around about there and it goes Around, around double, double island. island and then into Ellis Beach. So yeah. um yeah, about fifteen Ks. And there's a fifteen straight line. What the outriggers are doing this year is they're actually going out four K. So they're gonna dog leg straight nearly into the wind. Yeah. Yeah. And then hunt down. So they'll get a really good line. Um we've already spoken with the organizers and said, look, we're not gonna do four Ks, but we might We'll do our gentlemen start again where we yeah. just uh we'll let all of them go group up there's about 15 i believe that we've got confirmed for the mini g which is cool. going to be really cool yeah and uh yeah once everyone's ready seated down we'll three two one and jump to your feet and go yeah that's no, so cool that'll be somewhere between that 15 and, and 20 k's by the time we end up with the yeah. angle that we'll do yeah yeah it'll be so, um it definitely Depending on the wind strength, obviously makes a huge difference. Last year, when because the, the last year's race started pretty early, and uh, which I guess it always starts early, but the wind it felt early because the wind wasn't up. Um, and then normally we'll go on around midday ish was some of the, yeah. the the best time for the for the runs, like from from then onwards, which is pretty standard um, for everywhere. Windier in the afternoon in warm spots, um, and it starts at like was it nine ish? Yeah, I think nine. They they left the beach. Yeah, so it's it's on the earliest. I mean, there was bumps, but it, yeah, it would would have been nicer to hold back an hour at least. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which we still might do because I mean, I think this year we should all be going a little bit quicker. I mean, you were in in on the beach way before the first ski, mm. uh, so we've probably got half an hour up our sleeve. We don't need to rush into starting like we, no, we don't. Have, we don't. There's no rush to win either. We're only racing. It's like cycling in a running race. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. not really. Um, we're happy to come last <laughs> as long as we're not. The very, exactly. as long yeah. as we're not having the organizers wait for us, you know. So yeah. it's, but this is the hard thing with foilers at the moment is that you're either the fastest or you're the slowest, you know, <laughs> because if yeah. you're not getting up, you're having a, you know, six, seven, eight foot board for 20Ks, which with a big fin on the bottom, which isn't doing anything. It's a long, slow slog. It's yeah. a long slog, much slower than any other paddling craft. 
but if you're up on foil, you're way faster than everything else. So it's um, I guess for those that are new to downwind racing, I just for the sake of events inviting us back, always err on the side of the bigger foil because it's going to get you up and going um, sooner, and you're going to see it. But even if you're the slowest on the slowest foil, you'll be so much faster than any other craft as long as you stay up the entire time. If you can never get up because you're using too small a foil, you're going to ruin it for all of us and they're not going to invite us back to the races. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's also about being smart. I mean, you're, you're constantly talking about foil choice. I mean, it is singularly probably the most important decision you're going to have to make for the whole run because it will make or break how the whole rest of the race goes. Like decisions and everything aside, if, mm. if there, there's not going to be any major ground swell here, there will be a level of swell running through from the wind because I said that the fetch from the outer reef is quite far away. So there is a lot of energy coming through, but yeah. it's not going to be like an ocean where you're going to have a 10 or 12 second period bump coming through, you know, which is traveling at 35 Ks an hour. You're going to have probably at best a six second period swell, you know, maybe a six or seven period, second period swell. And they're going to max out in that sort of 25 K an hour realm, 2025. 20, yeah. So there's absolutely no point being on a foil, which is a sweet spot is any higher than that. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, well, unless, look, you can be just plan, to work you're harder. Just pump down wind the whole way, yeah, yeah. So it's you know, and that so that's the thing is making it easy to get up, making it easier to cut out, and playing an efficient game, yeah. particularly for the for the longer one is I think it's going to be key. Yeah, and it's interesting. You said you're probably more likely to use a smaller foil on the first one, which makes sense because of the distance. But in terms of the actual entire run, and just for those that are wondering, the 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 Great Barrier Face goes all, goes all the way to Port Douglas, which is about 49, 50 Ks. Um, and you can kind of see, you know, once you're outside the island, basically or from every time I've done this run, but from Ellis Beach downwind has always been the, the best bit, really. Yeah. Um, just more fetch. And I mean, between, um, between Oak Beach and Ellis Beach or Double Island is kind of the, the sweet spot um, for, for the run. You can get really good conditions from Yorkies to Palm Cove, but if it's good there, it's going to be really good for the entire entirety of the run. Yeah, um, true. But um, the the problem obviously it makes sense. Like you're not going to use too small a foil because the beginning, if it's lighter, is going to stuff you, and this last bit um, at the end can stuff you as well, just because of the, uh, the, the, the yeah the reef really um, stuffs you up. Stops the fetch, and you got a. It's not a pump in. There's still bumps, but they're just much slower bumps. Um, this yeah, but Double Island to the reef was pretty crazy last year. I was on a ten nine nine because it was flat at the start, and uh, it was the perfect foil choice for the first bit. But then the middle bit, I could have been on something much smaller. But at the end, I was happy I was on a bigger foil again. So it's um, yeah, so, and that's the thing. I mean, I I generally don't find. I mean, I don't get booted from big foils. Generally, that's <clears> it's. it's I mean, on my 1400, I don't think I've really experienced a day when... It's too much, yeah. Yeah. I mean, even... Oh, I was, unfortunately, I got the influenza A virus about two months ago or whatever, and, and the two or three weeks when I was just sort of starting in, getting better, we had that massive suddenly. It was like, you know, 35, 40 knots, and I was thinking, mm. oh, man, I've got to run. You know, sometimes you just got to go, even though I probably shouldn't have. So my thing was, oh, I'll, I'll use my 14. That way, I know yeah, I'm not going to be hard. working hard. And I think I still did like 23k an hour average the whole run, like 240 or whatever it is, 238 or whatever it is, mm. um, on the 1400. And not once did I ever feel like I was going to breach. Mm. And, so it's, and that, that was a decent size swell, lots of wind, lots of energy. 
yeah, probably could have gone a little bit quicker if I was on a 1200 or a 1000, but it's not slow on a big fly by any means. And yeah. definitely, definitely don't use the energy. Yeah. I guess the other thing is for this middle stretch here in Cairns is it's never going to be, well, not never, but when I experienced it last year, this stretch, it was never, it was always pretty organized. You know, it's still that organized ocean run or, or, you know, big bay run. So the the bumps are pretty clean and you're less likely to get overpowered in in this stretch than you are in like the middle stretch of Molokai to Oahu, for example. Yeah, exactly. Where you're going to have some bombing sets and that sort of stuff where it's a totally different time. I think M2O, I mean, just looking at past years and looking at what the skis went through a couple of months back, even without the wind and stuff like that, it's four downwinders in one. Mm. And I think, you know, so it, it, you'd nearly be smart to pack a front foil in your, in your backpack. Yeah. In your backpack. Yeah. And, you know, jump on your 1400 as you leave, Molokai, cut out and drop in the water and drop down to a, a 1000 or an 800 or something and blast the middle of it and then drop down to a 1000 or something for the cut back in. Yeah. And then the upwind, yeah, it's it's and definitely and but it's not it's not too like depending on the conditions, it could be kind of similar for the G Brock because no matter how you look at that, it's always going to be less windy at the start, not only because of the yeah. the, the blockage um, from the point here, um, but also because it's earlier in the morning, so the bumps aren't going to be as good. So from here to Double Island, there's going to be one stretch, and that's yeah. that's a um, that's the work. That's the work. That's that's yeah. that's where you want the bigger foil. And then from Double mm-hmm. Island onwards, even or last year, if it's anything to go by, from there to before we got to the reef, the bumps were epic. Like it was just surfing. It was super fun. Yeah. Um, and then you've got it's not upwind and it's not flat, but there are very different bumps from the, the reef in, and yeah. uh, you know you, you're going to want a bigger foil um, for, for the for the last bit, especially if you if you've. If, if you've used too small a foil for the entire run, you're going to yeah, struggle no, at the start. You're going to burn yourself out. You, you might enjoy the middle bit, but the end bit's going to hurt. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. The, no, uh, I've, I've pretty much got my decision, mate. Like, unless unless it is literally 25 knots, I'll be on a, a 1,400, I think. Yeah. Um, which I think, you know, I mean, I mean, the beauty is, I mean, we're up there. It, it's, I'm so stoked with the team that's going up. So, you know, we've, we've got a little share house together. First week we're in Palm Cove. Um, and we'll do a couple of short training runs, getting ready for the mini G, and then we move up to Port Douglas, where we'll be building into that that run there. So we'll definitely have done the run a handful of times before the race, and really yep. felt the terrain out and that sort of stuff. Um, riding with guys that have have done the distance and are pulling good speeds and stuff, so that's going to be good. I have guys pushing and and running at a higher speed than than what I've been doing lately. So it's it's going to be a really good lead up week to it. Um, Who's the crew? So I assume it's Tim and Craig who were there last year. Yeah, so Tim and Craig and Ali um, that were yep. all there last year. So we've all sort of jumped into a little combined sort of setup. Um, we've hired two cars so we can get up early, get the morning drop shuttle done, come back, grab brekkie gear up, and then take a run on, and then do an Arvo as well. Maybe even do three, depending on what distance we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also potentially do like some double car shuffles. That's the beauty of that length of coast is you could. You can do some some double double action downwinders, which is kind of cool, a little bit more time efficient. Try and get three three decent sized runs in. Um, but yeah, so really good crew, guys that are familiar with the bumps and familiar with uh, with what's going on. Um, most of them are, are in the Casey Club as well, so they know them really well. And we're all it's you know I talk with a lot of them outside of the club as well. So that's the beauty that the little community that you've built is strong within itself, but then it's also strong outside on its own legs as well. The 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 relationships you've made. 
or provided the the foundation for and stuff. So it's yeah, it's, it's like it's a kind place of cool. to and meet then, fellow frothers, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and and now, and now you know we're, we're traveling up to Cairns together and that sort of stuff. And we're already talking about you know potentially WA, and then we're talking about Hawaii next year. And uh, so it's yeah, it's kind of cool that it's it's ready into all of that. But yeah, the can it's going to be excellent. Like I'm I'm looking super forward to being able to report back with how it went and and hopefully we get just some cracking conditions which the forecast is looking like it will be and so you're up there for two weeks or is it like 10 days or yeah, yeah it's like pretty much two weeks so i think i go yeah. I, i'm going up wednesday week and i come back the tuesday week after so yeah, just short of two weeks yeah i'm so bummed at clashes with Maori de molokai and the paddle Mula race because um yeah. <clears throat> i want to get up there again i might still go up for a late season sort of um, mission just to get a few bumps and some warmer weather but um, yeah, Cairns is it's a it's a great for, for people in Australia who can't afford to go to Hawaii or can't get the time to go to Hawaii. Cairns is a good like strike really mission. It's not yeah. not far, and it's uh yeah, some good bumps, really good bumps to to develop your downwind foiling. Yeah, no, it's uh, I mean, oh, like I said, I, even I know after Mini G, and I drove up to Port with with Kate, my wife, and. We're driving on the coastline. I was just looking the whole time, going, "Oh my!" Like it just, it it is just an epic, epic playground of bumps. And, yeah. and I said, a lot of the guys that live up there. I'm really surprised that there isn't more guys up there downwinding. Yeah, because it's it's pretty perfect. Apart from the swell side of it, it's pretty perfect. Yeah, which for learning the swell, in in my opinion, is always working against you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that's 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 the big thing when you're learning. I mean, swell's kind of the worst. Um, yeah. and there's nothing easier than a run without swell like if you've got wind and and no swell it is that much easier than than a swell or a cross swell or i mean what we often get in sydney is you know is you know by the time a suddenly hits it's been blowing nor'east for a week so you've got nor'east swell with a suddenly wind and then that'll slowly turn the swell around to a suddenly swell then the nor'east has come back in and you've got nor'east wind with a suddenly swell so it's you spend a lot of time fighting the fighting <laughs> yeah. all the forces yeah, yeah, you're, you're making it work um, and yeah. adding the backwash and it's not much fun, whereas Cairns is a pretty pretty good coastline for it. That have the... had a couple of east winds. So last week before this rain came through, it's weird. They've got a buoy that I don't think it sits in a very accurate spot, but they actually had an east-northeast swell, which doesn't sound right. Mm. Um, but they've been having quite east-southeast winds. But the week before, well, that's nearly the month before, that has been really windy, south-southeast to southeast. Um, which is what we're expecting to come back. Um, so it, it should all be good angles and and good wind, hopefully. Yeah, no, I'm I'm, uh, I'm excited to watch it and see how everyone goes and and what everyone you know what everyone's using and and what they find afterwards. It's going to be a, a good one to watch, and um, we'll have to maybe get Tim and Craig on or or Allison, someone who's going up there to, to debrief, or maybe get you on again, JB, to sort of see what happened and play yeah, by play it. Yeah. But we're all kind of staying together sort of thing, so it's it's yeah. easy to do a team house. Yeah. It's a team debrief or something, or maybe we'll um I don't know, maybe we'll just do some video uploads together through it and media stream it or whatever, but it's it's, it's gonna be really cool. Yeah. Um the only thing I'll mention is last year we, we did a training run, we went um inside double island to go don't to do that. <laughs> yeah, i was gonna say don't do that yeah don't do that again that's, that's the important because I, I did it through the race as well like i once because you said the race was light and i was you know i was i got to the point where it was like it's now whenever like either do the cut and start working hard 
or relax back. And the bumps were actually really good. The wind was light, but the bumps were good. And I, my mindset stupidly now in hindsight was, bugger this, I'm going to have fun on the bumps. I'd rather get five really good Ks of surfing and then, you know, forfeit the race or whatever. I didn't really care. It was all for fun. Um, then work for five Ks to get around the island. Now in hindsight, the bumps were really good on the backside of the island and it would have been worth the, and plus I would have made it for the race. Um, but yeah, the gap between the islands is not nice. <laughs> yeah, I think you want a highish tide too if you are going to do it because it's um, there's certainly yeah. some shallow spots and it just goes like it's amazing how the wind even you was only like ten to fifteen knots I think last year's race, um, yeah. but it was amazing how flat it was when we did go through oh. the day before the race. Like there was still there were bumps, but it just it's like the reef. Most small and slow, so you just had to pump. It was just yeah, yeah. So yeah. don't do that. <laughs> Go around yeah, the island. No, no. Yeah. I mean, yeah, to any of the crew that are going, and obviously we'll, we'll be talking with everyone anyway, but once you get halfway down that run, which is kind of when you've got to be at a half-decent trajectory, you can sort of bleed, bleed a bit of height off to get your speed up, but you've got to start cutting out. You're better off coming off foil and just do a slow paddle out for a couple of K mm. and then self back up or even just go as far as you can and paddle out closer to the islands if you want, but yeah, um, definitely work going around them. Yeah, a lot yeah. better out there. Yeah. Well, um. I think I know you're at work, JB. So um, unless you got anything else, we'll uh, we'll wrap it up. Yeah. But um, no, it's good to just get to get some uh, get in there with the the can side of things for downwind month. But it's it's so epic. There's so much downwind happening at the moment. Like yeah. I mean, we, we touched on it earlier, but you know, seeing the wet feet week back, and then um, obviously you know the the mammoth downwind effort. Olivia, yeah, Olivia Crazy. just absolutely, absolutely killed it. Um, and now you've got, you know, everyone gearing up for M2M and then you've also got the Gorge coming and you've also got M2O, the Muir, Cairns, yeah. two races up in Cairns, like, and foils are a part of everything. It's just, it's so good to see. And, yeah. um, and then WA later in the year too. So it's... Um... Then, well, I'm, I think off the back of all these, we're going to see a lot more, you know, people that are organising events go, oh, crap, yeah, we need to have the foils involved. Like, yeah, it, it is a spectacle. It is cool. You know, it's like, you know, when you're watching the GP50 cats racing and stuff like there's something about just everything going faster that's exciting. Uh, not that stuff downwind is not exciting, but, you know, yeah. it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's definitely, I mean, and this is a big thing to guys out there that are thinking about it as well. Like, I remember going to Hawaii every year for the Nash meetings and things and stuff downwind while I could do it, at my size that I was then, and probably even now to a degree, you know, you're riding a wider board and they're slower and downwind, you look across at a 70 kilo bloke and they're having a blast and surfing every wave for miles and you're paddling nearly nonstop the whole way down just to keep your 26 wide or your 28 wide and going for the whole run. And then you bring that little bit of stoke that you had there back to Australia and it's non-existent. Like it's, yeah. uh, whereas foiling, you know, even the big guys are downwinding here and having a blast, you know, and there's so many good big foils out there you know like nash maker 2140 axis have that 1300 um you know and a couple of other brands have got stuff up in that realm where yeah it's not going to be the fastest thing but you're going to do you can do a 10k downwinder on it without any stresses of, of not making it but also have a ton of fun like it's just so welcoming to to more people i reckon even though people might think it's harder because it's foiling it's kind of not at the same time if yeah you put the it's timing yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because because oh, it must be so hard to foil that distance. It's like yeah, but what you did on your stand up or on your prone board was way harder, way harder. Yeah, yeah. way more frustrating and less enjoyable. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, and it's and you know, I mean, and plug for what you do with your courses and stuff. Like there is workarounds. Like there's so much valuable information out there now. Like I mean, 
what you definitely went through and what I feel like I went through through the early stages where it was trial and error and sometimes you stumbled over a bit of information and that was just, oh, my God, I can't believe, you know, how come I didn't work that out sort of thing? That's at your fingertips now, you know, like yeah. your, your, your Casey Club and stuff like that. It's all documented. All the modules are there. Feed off these last five, six, seven years of pain where yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the path's been set. It's, it's all there. Yeah. And it's uh, it's and even no now problem. I'm like I'm learning from all people that have signed up and said oh I've done this and it's like oh I remember that like and then I sort of yeah. redigs the memory and then give the advice but even there's there's almost within longer boards longer skinnier boards and faster foils there's actually new problems arising like balance you know like how come I can't stand up in the bumps it's like well especially Another boards conundrum. yeah yeah exactly <laughs> why yeah. does it narrow <laughs> yeah exactly and there's yeah. there's pros and cons to both but generally speaking if you're new to it a long and skinnier board with high volume is going to be better for the flat water because balance is less of an issue. And then the wider, um, the wider, more stable board is going to be better for like big, messy downwind conditions. And it's, yeah, it's about paddling up with that downhill or paddling up just using speed in flat. And it's, they're, they're very different things. Um, but there are crossovers as well. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. But there's lots of information as I said that's, uh, yeah. don't, don't, jump into the journey thing you're on your own or don't be put off by oh. uh, i guess i guess the big thing is people if, if you're not already into it you've got to pay your dues so yeah. Yeah. you've got half a dozen to a dozen challenges yeah but it is worth every second and it pays off every single run yeah, yeah. it's yeah well surfing for you know live your surf for 284 k's you know <laughs> if, if that's what you're into you know you know you can do that or you can just do a couple five 10k runs and have a blast too and there's no right or wrong and it's all good fun. just going back to your question before will i make the 50ks yes i will yeah <laughs> <laughs> I never, you didn't answer did you <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So it's, uh, it's it's epic and yeah i'm so stoked that yeah we've got something in australia so the cans event um and the, the, the hickily um outrigger club you know part of aokra they're they're so welcome as you remember man they were, yeah. they were totally stoked to have us yeah, uh, it's and it's it's really cool that I mean a lot of the outrigger type things are, are like that. A lot of the paddle events. I know there was the Brisbane outrigger club was was keen to do stuff with us as well, and yeah. um, the Gold Coast club. Uh, it's yeah, it's really cool that everyone's yeah. been so inviting sure. to it. And I think the biggest thing for us as like downwind foilers is is getting our skills up to a level that we're we're comfortable that we can compete or that we can do the do the event because we yeah. don't want to. Like I said before, we don't want to be. Um, stressing out the organisers so that they don't invite us back. Um, I, yeah, the reason I did that... It's not a rock up to learn session. No. It's a rock up because you have learned. Session. Yes, exactly right. Yeah. Like the, the 20 beaches race I did, which we used to touch on earlier, JB, I, did, I used a 1201 and like there was no wind. It was... It wasn't... Yeah. It was no wind. It was just swell was going the right direction. I did that and I was confident that I could do it and I wanted to show organisers that in the future, foilers will be entering these races with no wind. But at yeah. the moment, there's it's just that process that we're still learning and, and getting enough people up to the level that um, are capable of doing it. But, yeah, I think foil races will become not just downwind foil races. You know, there's – I don't think – I personally, I can't see myself entering a flat water race on a foil, like a long distance. Doable. But it's doable. Like, I, I just don't yeah. think it'd be fun, <laughs> you know. I mean, but guys, guys, sprint race, you know, guys. Oh, sprint racing. Um, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. Just, it's, and that's the thing, man. That's sprint race on a sub. Why not do it on a foil? You know, yeah, no, you know, but I just meant, I meant distance no, no. flat water. Yeah. I don't think I'd be doing a 20k yeah. flat water foil race just yet. Not not yet, no. I'd yeah. wait to develop something uh, extraordinary in the foil sense, but 
Yeah. But I think that's the, I mean, it's cool watching, um, I've forgotten the guy's name, but the guy on the bungee cord on the bridge. Yeah, on the yeah. Flying river. Um, yeah, uh, Lucas. Right. Yeah. Lucas, right. Yeah. But you can grab it there. Like, you'd, you'd normally think, oh, I must like to live there because he hasn't got an ocean. No, he, he's ripping. You know, it's like, yeah. and you watch the guys doing dock starts and the guys on livers, uh, rivers and lakes and, and it's just so accessible and they're all stoking on the same thing. It's really yeah. cool. Yeah. And building the same skills. Yeah, seriously, and they're all they're all skills across over. Like, like 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 yourself, you went from downwind sort of foiling to winging back to downwind foiling, and you learn a lot from winging for your downwind yeah. skills. And while sometimes I think a lot of people will go prone wing downwind, um, someone like Josh Koo went prone to downwind, and now he's just learning to wing. And I think it's helped his downwind journey because he he just went all in, all in on downwind, and and taking the sidetrack of winging can sometimes distract. The downwind goal, which we saw with you with UJB a little bit, but um, yeah, it, it does help your skills. It just makes it a bit of a longer process. It helps your skills, and I think I mean, at the timing for me, it bridged a gap in equipment that yeah. I, that wasn't present. I mean, yeah. you had the skill and ability, and the other thing too, like I've never been a downwind guy. Like even no. sub, I can downwind. I'm not good at it. Yeah, you were an extraordinary good downwind paddler. I mean, so yeah. as is Dave Cassian and stuff. So when you guys jump on downwind foiling, you're just learning a new sport in something you already know how to do. For me, yeah. I was learning a new sport in something that I'm not very good at and don't suit and wrong body type and all that. <laughs> no. I've got a million yeah. excuses. Yeah, you're, oh, yeah. yeah you're, ready. <laughs> you're ready to race. you got all the excuses. And now, yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it is definitely, as I said, it's more accessible than people think, downwinding. And I know a lot of people get scared from it. A lot of people go, that, you know, because you hear all the stories, I was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. But all the best things in life are, you know, it's mm. like it is that's, worth. That's part of the appeal, I think, is that, yeah, it's yeah. hard, but you put the time in and it's the most rewarding thing you'll ever do as well. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. Oh, thanks heaps for having us on, man. I better get back to Yeah, you get back to it. The work. It was good to put the peg in for the Cairns event and uh, yeah. Downwind Month is looking epic. I hope more people jump on and get the media going because I'd love getting the frost going and watching what everyone else is doing and, and things and um, maybe if a window opens up maybe we can even touch base in between mini and g brock or something yeah, yeah let's try to course. just a little little debrief if nothing else yeah for sure yeah, yeah. cool all right thanks jb i'll catch you later mm -hmm. on